Hello and welcome to the pilot episode of the Forbes India Cover Story podcast, a joint effort by Forbes India and Indicast, where we talk with the author who wrote and collaborated on the cover story. I'm Avishek and joining me on the phone are two very accomplished names in journalism, Indrajit Gupta, the editor of Forbes India, and Charles Assisi, the executive editor who has sculpted the cover story, which also happens to be the anniversary special. Thanks for joining me, Charles and Indrajit. Before we uh, get into the cover story uh, by Charles, I have this question that I've been aching to ask Indrajit about Forbes taking these big steps in India. I recall this time last year reading an article in BBC where it spoke about how the publication industry was going through a turmoil. We had New York Times uh, uh, who was contemplating on shutting down, Chicago Tribune, LA Times, Baltimore Sun filing for bankruptcies and then in the midst of all this, Forbes India rather courageously or foolhardily, depending on one's perspective, launched its first issue. Uh, how was the experience and the mood in the office in those initial few days? Actually, Abhishek, we started the project well before the downturn struck. This was sometime in March 2008 is when I came on board and within a couple of months, I think the rest of the team also joined. And there was no sense of any trouble down the road and we were looking forward to launching an international policy business magazine and then I think in September 08 the Lehman crash happened. It was pretty clear that the honeymoon was over. We were in completely uncharted territory and I think there were lots of rumors floating around about whether our project itself was going to ever see the light of day. Mm -hmm. So keeping the team together during that time was clearly something serious challenges and frankly I mean it took a lot of effort in terms of you know communicating clearly and keeping people motivated because we had also if you remember had a lot of wait before the magazine was launched because it got permission and approval right. taking time. Apparently there was some rule that did not allow foreign publications to produce original content in, in India. Is that what it was? And to use the title. So uh-huh. we couldn't use the Forbes title. So one month before our official launch date, the government in its uh, uh, in all its wisdom changed the rules. So it made sense for us to then wait and seek the government permission. So that's what we did and it took us eight months from there to really get all the relevant permissions. There was no precedent. This is the first time that anyone was applying for permission. So we had to, in some ways, find our way through the bureaucratic name, which we did, I think, successfully eventually. Right. And Charles, this one's for you. Uh, do you think you are you are better off because of these bad times? Because at a time when things were not very hunky-dory, it, it gave you that much more dope to write about. And if you write well, and the reputation that Forbes carries worldwide, if uh, the Indian team is as good, then uh, the sales will automatically happen. It, did it actually work for you? Are we better off because we went through the downturn? Uh, well, let, let's put it this way: that you know, we 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 learned some pretty uh, interesting lessons. You know, in terms of like Indrajit put it, you know, a, a whole lot of life skills in that sense. You know, when you're going through a downturn like this, how do you keep the team together? I mean, and and we bonded a lot more as a team because it was it was really rough. Were there stories to tell? Yes, there were interesting stories to tell. And in fact, if I kind of reflect our, our opening uh, cover story on uh, Lakshmi Mittal, I mean, that was a story that uh, the global media had missed out on. But yes, I mean, we went after that story and, you know, here was here is one of the world's richest men, the world's largest steel empire. And, and from being right at the top, the kind of uh, troubles and the kind of ups and downs we went through and we managed to you know, chronicle that. So that was a great opening for us. And, and uh, in the same issue, we also spoke about uh, Vijay Malaya 
and his whole uh, tinkerings with Kingfisher. And, you know, while everybody was writing him off, we put out the whole story on, on what really happened. But we also punted and, you know, we kind of bet there that, you know, this man will bounce back. And, uh, well, he's not entirely in the black yet, but he's most certainly staging a comeback of sorts. So, yeah, it's, it's been a very interesting time in, in every which sense of the word. I mean, like I said, we've bonded well as a team. Everybody's struck their stride and we've had some great opportunities to tell some lovely stories. Yeah, talking about lovely stories, I do remember one cover story which I picked up only because I loved the illustration. It was an empty seat of the CEO of the Air India and then the, <laughs> and then the copy read that we couldn't get his appointment because he was busy saving the airline. So, yeah, we did get his appointment, not for the photo shoot though. He promised to, I think, uh, meet us in the hangar at Kalina. Mm-hmm. And we thought it was a great uh, place to do the shoot, but the poor man, I think, got sucked into one, you know, setback after the other. And thank you, it was unfair for us to demand a couple of hours of his time. Mm-hmm. So we decided to go with this, and I think it worked at, at one level. Also, on another note, I think Forbes has been slightly more uh, uh, courageous with their quirky cover pages, where I think you also showed sperm depicting yeah. the newborn India not very long ago. Well, diving into the cover story that Charles, you and your team has written, could you help us in 30 seconds flat what the anniversary special is about, which will soon be unveiled? There's a minor correction there. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is not something that we have written. What we have done instead is uh, we went after the finest minds in the world in their respective disciplines. And uh, we put one question to all of them, that what is the one idea on your mind that you think will change the world? And we we reached out to some very, very interesting people, like I said, both from India and across the world. And we asked them to write these essays, you know, anywhere between 500 to 1,000 words. And uh, we've got a very eclectic mix of people. So to give you some sense of that, I mean, we we have uh, an Abhijit Banerjee from uh, MIT, who is uh, considered one of the finest economists of our time. So he's written for us. We have uh, a French philosopher, uh, Alain de Botton, who wrote on a new religion for atheists. Uh, we've had Anand Mahindra writing, and uh, we've got Arun Mayra. Uh, there's Deepak Parekh. Uh, these are people we don't need to introduce. We've got Jimmy Wales, the co-founder of uh, Wikipedia. There's Mohammad Yunus, the Nobel Prize laureate 2006 and co-founder of Grameen Bank. We've got Mridanka Sur, who's a neuroscientist and uh, is again considered one of those men at the forefront, uh, you know, one of the pioneers of neuroscience as it is happening right now. I've got Tom Davenport, very, very fine management thinker. So roughly it's a collection of about 25, 27 odd essays. And what uh, we've done is we've gone after a whole lot of people, like I said, and we've tried to get them on board and they've been very kind to us, very gracious to to write for this uh, whole issue. So each personality from different domains like management, economics, medicine, they contributed on one idea that they think will change the world in the domain that they represent. Is that right? That is correct. So which is, which is some of the favorite ideas, or one or two, if you can recall, that you thought was absolutely fascinating, that, that comes at the top of your mind, Charles and Indrajit, one by one, if you could. Do you want to go first, Indrajit? Yes. I thought, I mean, picking a favorite from uh, well-known writers is always tough. There is one I particularly like because it kind of fits in with how many thinking that we've put in in the magazine. This is the piece that, you know, the essay that Thomas Davenport wrote, who's a very well-known management scholar. He's focused on this whole information age that we live in. Uh, information overload is really something that we're all grappling with. We multitask, we 
do kind of on different multiple media at the same time the the surfing we kind of we almost skate on the surface of a vast information ocean and we have really no time to kind of plumb new depths so we tend to be very shallow in our understanding of situations and how do you change that and he talks about this whole concept of calm deliberation and why that's may not be a brand new idea in that sense but why this world that we live in demand that as it becomes more fast-paced how do you kind of deal with this shadow of information that you tend to swim in very very provocative piece and uh, beautifully written so that was a clear favorite i think uh, charles do you want to focus on something that you like i like quite a few i mean uh, do i have to stick to two or can i go to three or four you can go to three or four yeah. it will be your audience <laughs> <laughs> okay i mean the reason i said that is because some of these subjects i am very close to you know personally deeply interested in it so uh, so there's john uh, lombog's essay the environmentalist and you know he had written this lovely book the skeptical environmentalist and uh, personally i'm on that side of the fence where i believe that you know the green brigade is way too noisy and there is a lot of populism and a lot of alarmist uh, lines that they pick up and that perhaps it's it's not such a great idea so that's why i kind of uh, like uh, you know what uh, lomborg has gone about and his basic uh, point is that policymakers should pay more heed to economic signs and less to hyperbole and alarmism and they're formulating solutions to the world's biggest problems and so he makes this point that you know uh, while al gore i mean he put out a great film and uh, he managed to get a lot of uh, attention for that but you know what and it is, what it really too. does it yeah, yeah and nobel prize too but it kind of distracts from the from the real problem on hand and uh, so it may not probably pan out the way the data has been presented in his documentary that uh, you know the world's going to go down and in the next uh, 10 years and the rising tides and something you know it's kind of pointless to make these kind of uh, predictions because that's not where the real problems are and so so he's argued very cogently and very uh, carefully around uh, uh, this whole theme I like your choice of words cogently and carefully because it's very difficult to do that on a very controversial topic like this when the whole world is oh, yes. there is too much global warming Absolutely. around Oh yes, absolutely, absolutely. The other essay that I'm particularly fond of is by Mirganka Sur, neuroscientist of, uh, like I said, of very, very considerable repute. I'm biased because I personally love a lot of, uh, you know, reading about neurosciences. And uh, Mirganka Sur, uh, what's his big idea? His big idea is that, you know, we we ought to look at brain disorders. very differently from the way we look at it now and it requires a whole lot of disruptive thinking and he's gone about trying to articulate how this uh, disruptive thinking can be brought about so one of the points he makes is you know let's take something like autism for instance now if you were to compare autism and cancer two different kinds of diseases mm-hmm. you know there is a deep understanding of cancer and when you talk about cancer you don't talk about cancer as a very generic thing you know you could have cancer of the a uh, lung you could have cancer of the throat you could have cancer of the spleen so there is a certain understanding that medicine has that there are subtexts or subplots to cancer but when it comes to say something like autism those subtleties are kind of lost out on and it is only now because the boundaries are being or boundaries of neuroscience is being pushed and uh, there's a lot of new kind of thinking coming in that neuroscientists are beginning to understand that autism is not just one 
broad thing. There are subtexts to it. And because of these subtexts, now we are able to develop therapeutic uh, formulations that target specifically the disorder. And, you know, you're, you're getting greater success. So he's argued at both at a philosophical level and at a, at a level where he looks at his discipline very carefully and speaks about the significance of disruption in this case. And uh, the third essay that I was particularly fascinated by is uh, Alain de Botton. The writer. the writer, terrific writer. You could think of him as a philosopher as well. I would tend to go with him as a philosopher. And, and he's argued why atheists need a religion. He makes the point that, you know, if you look at any religion, I mean, they were founded by certain people. And they build symbols for the religions that they founded. It could be churches, it could be temples, mosques, whatever the case may be. But the point is that all of these people who follow a certain faith, they have a certain set of cultural symbols that they can hang on to. And that's what kind of binds them together. But when it comes to atheists, you know, it's, it's pretty much an abstract idea. You reject a lot of notions. But as humans, we need culture, we need art, and we need some kind of forms to cling on to. So he makes this case that, you know, perhaps atheists should kind of band together and uh, start thinking of creating a kind of culture for themselves, symbols for themselves, places where they can come together and bond together. So that's his uh, point. And he talks about eventually creating a religion that embraces atheism, which I thought is a fascinating idea. So personally, these uh, are my favorites. Right. So all of these are from disparate fields of philosophy, neuroscience, and uh, business, you mentioned Deepak Parikh. But as, as a reader, do you see that it's slightly a risky proposition when some of the names that you mentioned are fascinating and are accomplished, however, they are not the so-called household names like Eliyahu Goldratt or Tom Peters, who would be far more known among people. So was it a conscious choice to go for people who may not be all that famous but are indeed uh, fascinating? Well, I would perhaps not agree with that assessment because um, each of the people that we have gone after, if I may use the word, are rock stars in their disciplines. So, you know, if I were to talk about Mriganka Sur, for instance, I mean, Mriganka Sur is a rock star in neuroscience and there is no neuroscientist uh, who does not know who Mriganka Sur is or for that matter, if we were to speak about Dan Ariely, you know, he's a rock star when it comes to behavioral economics and he's a widely acknowledged uh, speaker at every conference that goes on the world. Yeah, yeah Abhishek, I think the point is that I think as a magazine we've been kind of consciously pushing the boundaries of what has been traditionally core to business journalism. So you'd see us, I think, doing things that in some ways our readers are crying out for. But for some reason, I think business journalism has stayed kind of locked into a certain, you know, kind of mold and we're trying to break that mold. Because mm-hmm. if you don't do that, I think you will not be perceived as fresh and interesting. Because I think what's happened clearly is that a lot of our readers have kind of outgrown the traditional stuff. I mean, Tom Peters and uh, Goldratt are very well-known, uh, you know, scholars. But are they the guys who are kind of pushing the boundaries of mm-hmm. uh, knowledge and intelligence? I'm not entirely sure. So that's why you choose uh, to write about an Abhijit Banerjee who's uh, working more towards development economics so in low-income countries. So it's far more applicable to countries like India. That is one. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think the most interesting thing has happened at the margins, right? At, at the outer periphery. And I think if you pick up people who, like Charles Stokes spoke about Dr. Niranka Soul, mm-hmm. he's doing work which may not necessarily be mainstream yet. So that's part of our job as a magazine, the International Quality Magazine, right. to bring that into the mainstream so that people really learn something new. 
Well, I guess I can, as a reader, maybe slightly vouch for it too, because I remember reading, I think it was Charles, you, you wrote about Pranav Mistri, uh, Leonardo da Mistri, he was the title That's of the right, article yeah. some time back. So <laughs> yes, from that perspective, Forbes, the reputation that it carries surely does come up with stories that may not be over-abused or written too much about in the newspapers. Yeah, yeah. in that same issue that you talked about, Abhishek, the year-end issue, mm-hmm. where Pranav Mistri, you, you would have found some unusual names there of people who would never have been featured right. in a business magazine. Anjali right. Gopalan, who really led the charge on AIDS. Abhay Bang is the other person who's also featured in our lineup of people. And they've done outstanding work and it's important that we recognize that. So it's as much a recognition of, the, of their work and the relevance. Great. How soon is the cover story going to be out the coming week? Yeah, I think we're doing a formal launch on the 20th in Bombay mm-hmm. at the new landmark store, the biggest store in the country now. And they've been our loyal partner, so I think we're launching the uh, anniversary edition. It will also be, I think, a very innovative cover as well. And I think can, you know, talk a little about that. After, after it's launched. After it's launched, okay. Right. <laughs> what are the different themes that I'm sure this might, must not have been the first uh, idea that would have come about because I've read, uh, Indrajit, one of your articles where you say that the newsroom at Forbes India, it's bustling with activity with the average age being 30. So I'm sure there would have been many brainstorming sessions about different themes that can be covered in this issue. Frankly, we toyed with a lot of different ideas and formats. Uh, could you, could, uh, any, anything that comes to the top of your mind? Any? Um, maybe we'd use it sometime later. I understand. It was really, I mean, a lot of things were rejected because it's such right. an important kind of work. Mm-hmm. But this is, I think, an idea that uh, which is focused. We can then reach out to, I think, some of the best minds around the world, not necessarily just in India. Mm-hmm. And it's focused. And it's turned out that way because the people I think that we reached out to all found it terribly exciting to participate in a project of this kind. So it tells you that the people you know, who you want to engage are uh, I think excited by it. Great. Look forward to reading this one and uh, congratulations again. And uh, any plans on the first year celebration at Forbes, uh, which will soon be due? Uh, any big yeah. party plans? Yeah, we do. We do. We do have that. <laughs> and we're all getting together next month uh, uh-huh. at an offsite in Goa. Right. We're most happy to join us. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I, I can, if, if Charles is the person who's going to set the menu, the food menu, I'll definitely come because I read one of uh, Charles' stories on he being a gourmet and uh, writing about seven meals to, <laughs> die, to die for. <laughs> Thanks, Charles and Indrajit, for your time. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks so much. It's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. And for all you guys listening out there, we would love to know what you thought about uh, this podcast and the views that Charles and Indrajit have put forth for their rather unconventional cover story to be out very soon. Uh, TheIndicast.com is the site where you can uh, get this and also at business.in.com where this uh, podcast will be housed. That's about it. Bye-bye.